I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For it's in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. At the beginning of this text, you might have heard a couple of phrases about suffering. Um, Paul is writing this letter uh, from prison and right at the very beginning, he acknowledges the suffering of God's people. And he notes that it's a communal suffering. Our present sufferings, not a past suffering or not one day will suffer. He says, our present sufferings and sufferings, by the way, was plural. It's not just one thing. Paul is acknowledging that there's hurt and pain and it's present in this little church at Rome. And the reality is this hurt, this pain, this suffering was happening in all of the churches in Asia Minor. In fact, it's happening in all of the little churches along Due West Road, including our church. And if we are children, if we are heirs, verse 17, then we're co-heirs with Christ and we share in his sufferings. Verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. When Paul is talking about suffering, he's talking specifically about suffering with Jesus. He's talking specifically about suffering for Jesus. Lots of times when we think about suffering, we think about, you know, well, we don't really suffer. It's like those missionaries overseas who put themselves out there, out on the line, like those are the guys who are willing to die for Jesus. A lot of people, uh, when we start talking about suffering for Jesus, we think about people out there. There's people in here right now that are suffering with and for Jesus. Lots of times uh, we think it's people just out there. It's people in here right now. Some of us know that suffering. You know, the suffering that's caused by refusing to enable a spouse some of you know that suffering that is caused by choosing sexual integrity over sexual immorality. Suffering caused by vulnerability instead of self-protection. Some of you know what it's like to suffer with and for Jesus. I don't want, you, don't want you to minimize your suffering. Paul doesn't minimize suffering here. Your suffering is not to be compared with someone else's suffering. Like, oh my gosh, their suffering is so much and they're dealing with so much. My, I shouldn't... I, should not, I shouldn't talk about, your suffering is not compared to anyone else's suffering. Your suffering is your suffering. However, your suffering, man, your suffering is not worth comparing the glory that will be revealed in you and in me. That's the work of the Spirit.
to reveal in you and in me, in us, his love designed in real partnership with you, the way you were created, with your life, with your brokenness, with your suffering. You are, you are God's most glorious work of art. It's his love being expressed through your hands. It's his love being seen through your eyes. It's his blessing being brought forth over our kids through your voice, through your hands. And creation is waiting for same kind, this same kind of revealing, this same kind of redemption. Just look at verse 20 and 21 one more time. Creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. When, you probably know this, but when Adam and Eve sinned, like all creation fell. Like everything fell when Adam and Eve sinned. In the Genesis narrative, we see how God intricately created the world, bringing beauty and perfection from chaos. And he said, this is good. This is so good. This is so good. But then at the fall, even creation fell. There's a line there in the Genesis narrative. You might remember this. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. This was not God's original intent. But all of creation was frustrated at the fall. This is the reason why we have natural disasters like floods and hurricanes and tsunamis. All of creation has fallen and all of creation one day will be restored. All of creation one day will be redeemed. In the midst of our broken creation, in the midst of our broken state, creation still declares the goodness and grace of God. I was sitting on the porch swing uh, with my granddaughter uh, the other day and she heard the birds singing and she kind of looked around. She didn't know what was going. She kind of looked around and she smiled and she just started laughing. All of creation is still declaring in its broken state the goodness and grace of God. This is Psalm 19, probably one of my favorite psalms, Christie's favorite psalm. Psalm 19, 1 through 4. The heavens still declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. And day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. Amidst suffering... Amidst a broken and fallen world, there is healing and there is wholeness and there is holiness. Amidst pain and chaos, we are still enabled to sing along with creation the redemption song. How's that going for you? Amidst your own struggles, amidst your own pain, amidst your fallen state, right? Are you still enabled to sing the redemption song? Verses 22 uh, through 25, a reference groaning a couple of times. You probably saw that when we read that there. Reference groaning. I'll talk about groaning in just a minute, but I don't want you to miss the promise in verse 23, right in the middle of that. says that we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We'll talk about groaning in just, this is incredible right here though. We ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. I want to just talk about this for a sec. Back up 
uh, with me, if you will, to the Old Testament and Israelites. And um, the Israelites, God commanded the Israelites to present a portion of their harvest that which ripened first, the portion of their harvest which ripened first to give as an offering to God, believing then that the rest of the harvest is going to ripen and all of the harvest is God's. The Israelites were to know that, but the first fruits that were ripened were to be given to God. And it was just sort of, if, if you will, this sort of just acknowledgement, being confident that God's going to take care of everything else. That's what Paul's referencing here. But he's saying here that God's gift of the Spirit at the beginning of the believer's life is God's pledge that he's going to take care of us. He's going to see it through. He's going to complete the process of salvation. He's going to complete the process of redemption. Philippians 1.6, some of you know this text, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We've been given the Spirit. We've been given the first fruits of the Spirit. And God's job, the Spirit's role in our lives is to continue to conform us to the image and character of His Spirit, giving us this supernatural ability to love others. That the Spirit's work in our lives is to manifest the love of Christ in us and through us. And one day, one day, it'll be brought to complete, it'll be brought to full completion. But in the meantime, for you, just like for me and for everyone else on the planet, there is groaning and there is suffering. There is suffering and groaning because this world is really messed up. It's so incredibly good. It's so incredibly beautiful. And yet it's so incredibly broken. The presence of God is at work. The presence of God is here and always at work. And yet we groan. We long for the day when total redemption will finally come and all things will be made new. That's the promises of verse 24 and 25. I want to back up to the Old Testament uh, one more time just for a minute. And I want you to hear about this idea of groaning. So if you have your Bibles and you want to go back with me to Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. It's a portion of scripture where the people of God are describing, uh, they're, they're crying out to God, they're in slavery, and there's just nothing good that is happening. And they're groaning. Exodus 2, 23 through 25. They're, they will be set free, they will be led into the promised land, but they're not there yet. They're in this place of real suffering and verse 23 says, During that long period, the king of Egypt died, and the Israelites groaned in their slavery. And they cried out. And their cry for help, because of their slavery, went up to God. And God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. We'll just leave this up for just a second. The first line, the first phrase is so haunting during that long period. During that long period. Anybody here? Anybody here with me? Anybody here ever been in a long period during that long period of suffering? If you know what 
this is talking about, that long period, then you probably know something about groaning. Maybe at the beginning, maybe when this whole thing first began, maybe there were words to sing. Maybe there were words to pray. But during that long period, as things go from bad to worse, as they began to believe, man, things aren't going to change. Things are never going to change. Their words went to groans. Some of you know what it's like to groan. Not long ago, I got a text from a good friend, and I just, I read it, and I just thought, oh my gosh. And I texted it to Christy real quick. I just said, hey, will you pray for these guys? And Christy texted me back, true story, Christy texted me back. She said, I have no words, dot, dot, dot. Listen to a glimpse of David's life. You don't have to turn there. Just listen to Psalm 6, verses 1 through 6. He's praying and he says, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from my groaning. All night long, I fled my bed with weeping and drenched my couch with tears. Sounds really dramatic, doesn't it? But that is his reality, and it might be yours. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me clearly. What causes you to groan? Whatever it is that causes you to groan, he hears. God hears. And God acts. And God is at work on your behalf, even right now. Like the Israelites, God hears your groaning and he remembers his covenant that he's made with you. Slide down, if you are looking at your Bible, slide down to Romans 8, verses 26 and 27. It's beautiful verses. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. I love this. This first line, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Not a, not a, not a trick question. Here it comes. Any of you uh, need help in weakness? In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. This is the good news of the gospel. The good news is that we don't, we don't get a merit badge for being put together, you know. We don't, we don't get a merit badge when everything is going great. You know, when God is pleased with us, if you will. We serve God not only with our strengths, but we serve God with our weakness. A few of us on staff have been, uh, we've been having book club. We've been doing book club once a week and we've been reading this book called Prayer in the Night for those who work or watch or weep. And uh, this week we read these words. 
The ones Jesus calls are the weary ones. The ones who snap at those they love after a long day. The ones who battle addiction, those are the ones Jesus calls. Those are the ones Jesus loves. The ones who aren't who they wish they were. The ones who know that they're not strong. The ones who wrestle and repent, who fail and fail again. This is the church. These ones through whom Jesus is strong. There are times, maybe like David, in the middle of the night where you don't know what to say and you don't know what to pray. I want you to know that the Spirit is interceding on your behalf in that moment. I take such comfort from this truth that on those long nights or in those long days, that the Spirit is interceding and he's doing so according to the will of God. This is really important. There's a familiar passage that I want us to look at for just a moment. It kind of talks a little bit about this. I want to talk a little bit about this. A familiar passage that Paul is talking about his own experience. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn over with me, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Paul's praying, kind of testifying that he was praying about some personal issues. He doesn't say what those personal issues are specifically, but he's saying that there's some stuff going on and he was praying about it. I want you to hear how Paul describes this, if you will, this season in his life and what God does in the midst of this season. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Paul says this, So therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. It was a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults, and in hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul says God's power is made perfect in weakness. And I don't know if you caught this, but Paul prays three times. And he doesn't just pray. Check it out in verse 8, second line. Paul pleads. Paul pleads. David groans, Paul pleads, come on, God, come on. It's not just praying. Listen, you know this, the Bible knows nothing about casual prayer. Paul is pleading, not once, not twice, three times he's pleading. Paul is pleading, David is groaning. I read this morning about the tax collector in the temple who's beating his chest. Have mercy on me, have mercy on me. Now, I'm not exactly sure how this works. Some of you might know more about this than I do. But this is what I think. I'm not exactly sure how this works. But Paul is pleading for this thorn to be removed from his flesh. Meanwhile, the Spirit is interceding that the will of God would be accomplished in Paul's life. It's as if the Spirit is saying to God, No God, that's not what Paul needs. This is what Paul wants. This is what Paul is praying. It's as if the Spirit of God is saying, no, this isn't according to your will, God. Don't do that. Don't do that. 
what's best is for Paul to learn the supernatural gift of weakness. What's best is for Paul to learn the supernatural gift of dependency. What Paul really needs to learn is the gift of grace. Grace. God's provision for our every need when we need it. You, you probably saw that. The Spirit is interceding. It says it two times in those couple of verses. The Spirit is interceding. It means this. Uh, it, uh, Rob's standing here. Rob, Rob, Rob's sitting here. It means that the Spirit is standing in God's presence on Rob's behalf. The Spirit is standing in God's presence on Rob's behalf. And Rob's praying. He's praying hard. He's praying hard. Uh, he's praying along with He wants to pray along with God's will, right? He's praying along with God's will. If it's not not in accordance with God's will, the Spirit is saying, you know what, God? That's not best for Rob. That's not best for Rob. The Spirit is standing in God's presence, advocating for God's will, His perfect will, to be lived out in your life right now. The Spirit is advocating for you right now, standing in God's presence interceding that in your life heaven will be lived out on earth right now right here standing in God's presence and if it takes not being delivered from a thorn or not being not having a problem to be solved or a pain to be healed if it's going to take that not happening to bring ultimate healing wholeness and holiness that's what the spirit is praying for And I don't know, I don't know, I don't like to pray this way. I want to pray the way I want to pray. And yet I've come to find myself in a place where saying, God, I don't don't even know if what I want is what you want. I would rather have what you want if it takes me not being healed of this thing. Then may it be so. Boy, that's dangerous prayer to pray. Not only does the Spirit intercede, but the Spirit enables and calls the church to intercede for others. You and I are given the privilege of standing in God's presence on behalf of Carly. You're given the gift to stand in God's presence on behalf of your wife. Incredible. We're given access to the throne room to advocate for the people in our lives. It's amazing. Intercession, that's all it is. Standing in God's presence on behalf of others. Now, maybe like, like me, there's sometimes but I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to pray. And I'm greatly comforted in knowing that's probably exactly where I need to be. Because the Spirit then can pray exactly what he wants to pray without me getting in his way. Intercessory prayer is just being present to God on another's behalf and listening for the prayer of the Holy Spirit that's already being prayed for that person before the throne of grace. And it's just being willing to join God in that prayer. I was driving to a dinner meeting on Monday night. I was super excited to go to this 
dinner meeting, I was meeting this young couple who are going to get married in a couple weeks, and the story is just absolutely bananas. God has like redeemed all this stuff. It's totally nuts. And I was, I was so excited as I was driving to this dinner. And um, on the way, I got, this, I got this phone call from um, one of my buddies that's here in our church. And I said, hey, man. And there was no, there's no, what's up, brother? There was none of that. It was just quiet. And there was no words. I said, hey, man. And then all there was was groaning. In the midst of me going to this really cool place where I'm going to celebrate, there's another friend who's groaning. That's our lives, isn't it? It's your life. It's mine. And I wanted to fix it for this guy. I wanted to... I wanted to tell him, hey, man, everything's going to be okay. You can trust God. It's going to be all right. this whole thing. And he started to lay it out. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I finally just stopped. And all I could think about was, all right, God, you know what this guy needs. Whatever this guy needs, I want to join you in that prayer. I could have prayed, you know, you probably know this about me. I mean, I could talk. I can like come up with stuff. I could like read the Psalms. I mean, you could never go wrong reading the Psalms over someone, right? Never go wrong. But it wasn't, that wasn't, it was something deeper than that. Intercessory prayer, when a friend is groaning, maybe is you being okay and not saying anything at all and allowing the spirit to pray with wordless groans on your behalf and on behalf of your friend or your wife or your child. Maybe it's just the prayer, God, may your will be done in this life on earth right now as it is in heaven. Here's what I'm learning. I'm learning that intercessory prayer is more about not knowing what to say. I'm learning that it's more about not knowing what to pray. It's about growing more and more comfortable with the truth found in Romans 8. It's about believing that the Holy Spirit is already at work. He's already interceding for you, for your spouse, for your kids, for that situation, for that phone call. He's already at work and it's about us joining him there. I want to close with Paul's prayer, a portion of Paul's prayer that he prays over the church at Ephesus. But before I do, I just want to give you a second to think about it, all of this, just for a second to think about your own life and the places in your own life where you groan. Everyone in this room, everyone watching online or listening to the podcast, every single person groans. So we give you a second to think about it. I'd like to give you a second to think about what the Spirit might be praying for you in your place of groaning. Or maybe the Spirit is standing before the Father and He's saying, Father, that's what Craig's praying for. That's not what He needs. What would heaven be praying for you right now? 
maybe in these moments you might pray, Spirit, as you pray for me, I want God's will to be done in my life no matter what it takes. I'll read this portion of this prayer that Paul prays for the church and then give you the opportunity to respond as God leads. There's communion here and set up around the room. There's people around you, I'm sure, that would be willing to pray for you. Carly and the team will come and lead us and we'll sing a bit of the redemption song together. Paul prays this beautiful prayer. It's found in Ephesians 3. In the middle of the prayer, he prays these words. It's my prayer over you guys today. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then this is what it's all about. This is why he's praying. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God in suffering and groaning and in celebration. In Jesus' name, amen.